0: Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Every single spring, that first day that I walk outside and I see that yellow dust all over my truck, I'm like, that is Satan's dandruff. It destroys me. I legitimately can't go outside for longer than three minutes because my eyes get swollen, my eyes get puffy, my nose gets congested, and I just simply can't breathe luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies we can live claritin clear with claritin d designed for serious allergy sufferers claritin d has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better this double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing A runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. When I started taking Claritin-D about two months ago, I can finally get back outside and play pickleball again, which is what I love to do, but I couldn't do it because my allergies were so bad. Claritin-D has legitimately allowed me to go outside again, ready to live life as if you don't have allergies This is episode 77 of the Human Hope Podcast. Your host, Carlos Enrique, with Guzmán and Guzmano has one question. Y'all ready for this? Here we go. Come on. What is going on, Human Hope Familia? Welcome to another episode of the Human Hope Podcast with your host, Carlos Enrique, with the Ed Guzmano Chibokabello. for short... And we're uh, catching up to my daddy's age, episode 77. Fermin, we're coming for you. We're coming at you. Feels good to be back for another week. Hey, listen, if you're keeping score at home and you're listening to this live on Thursday, September 22nd, you know that I just got back from a few days in Amish country. It's been a crazy week since the last uh, time we were together uh i mean basically the con- uh the podcast went out and then i went straight to my church conference the belonging co here in nashville tennessee and so i'm feeling very churchy this week it's feeling a little churchy no i mean that's just me i know some of y'all you don't go to church some of y'all do go to church some of y'all never been to church some of y'all may never ever go to church But me and the reality of who I am and how I live, like I I love mine. And we had a blast. We had our church conference this week. It was amazing. Um, I hosted it with, um, oh my gosh, Josh Henry. (laughs) He is our youth pastor, student pastor at our church. And we just had a great time. Christine Kane spoke. Um, It was just Tim Ross spoke. Oh, it was just so good. Our pastor spoke. It was awesome. So, But after four days of that, I... We, what my family does is we like to go away for a few days of kind of decompressing. And we did that, but we did that in Ohio and we went up to Amish country, Holmes County, Ohio. Um, Did not insta story a lot while I was up there, but just rested. And, you know, I, you know, it's funny. I don't know about you guys, but like when it comes to road trips, like I have this rule that like six hours is like my limit of I'm going to be in a good mood the whole time if I know I'm going to be in the car for longer than six hours, I I can't seem to enjoy it as as much. And it just was, it was just a little over seven hours, you know, and I'm just like, uh, I am not the guy you want to be stuck in a car with. Uh, so I don't know about you. I mean, what's your limit? You know, my, uh, my friend Brian that went with us, uh, he's like, I've never been in the car this long in my entire life. And I'm like, bro, we got to get you on more road trips. But it was a li- you know, just a little too far for only two days. Like I wish we could have stayed four, but we only stayed two days, and now we're back. So, back home um, in time to record uh, the intro of and the outro uh, and our partner segments of the Human Hope Podcast because this week, um, since since we, uh, well, there's two reasons here, two two reasons why this is happening this week. A, since it was like Church Carlos Week. I figured, well, I'm going to bring, I'm going to bring it. And he's only been out once before on the podcast, but preacher Carlos now, but here's the thing. Most of you, um, that have, you know, been around the Insta Familia for a few years have heard me talk about Enter Wild. You've heard me talk about that book. You've heard me talk about kill a spider, but you know what? I actually announced this week, my next book. Yes. You, you, if you, if you weren't paying attention on Instagram, um, I did. And d- did, I, did I actually buy a domain for my new book? Well, let me tell you what it is. <laughs> I announced it. Excuse me. Um, how to Human. That's right. The book is called How to Human. Um, and I'm pretty excited about it. How the number two human book.com. That, if you want to pre-order it, which I would love for every single one of you to do because it really helps the publishers know, how, the number two, humanbook.com. Now, the reason why I'm telling you this on the podcast this week is because um, I'm going to go back to my very first book because I'm just kind of feeling booky, right? Now, What what is How to Human? Three ways to share life beyond what distracts, divides, and disconnects us. That's right. Basically everything I've been talking about the last two years, I put it in a book, uh, but I put it with a narrative that I think you're going to really enjoy. And I, you know, I I think this is really going to end up being a manual uh, for a lot of us, myself included, to remind myself what it looks like to really uh, do this human thing correctly. And uh, uh, clue clue alert clue phone. It's not it's not going to be Carlos telling you how to do it. I'm going to be looking at the greatest human to ever walk the face of the earth and look at his humanity. And maybe we can learn a few things from him. You don't even have to believe Jesus is the son of God in order to be able to pull uh, truths from his life. If you just believe him as a historical figure like you do Caesar, then you're still gonna, I think, be radically changed by his humanity. So how do human... Three Ways to Share Life Beyond What Distracts, Divides, and Disconnects Us. Um, that is the new book, and it's coming out January 24th. I'm so excited. You guys can pre-order it, please. I would love for you to do that. Uh, if you go to how, the number two, humanbook.com, and uh, you can pick up a copy and pre-order it there. And also, if you pre-order, make sure you save your receipt, because I'm going to start giving way some goodies for all of you that pre-ordered. And even if you pre-order now, you'll get all the same goodies. Okay. Um, so... Feeling booky, right? Like I announced my book this week, and I thought, you know what? Let's go back. Let's rewind to the very first book I wrote. Now I've written five. I wrote a book. Uh, this one, How to Human, which is coming out in January. I wrote a kids devotional called Press Play that came out last uh, last year, twenty twenty one. I wrote a book that came out in twenty twenty, Enter Wild. I wrote a book that came out in twenty seventeen, Kill the Spider. But my very first book, the one that made me an author was a book called Moment Maker. You can live your life or your life will live you. That's the subtitle. And really it was it it was a a book on intentional living, like purposeful living, like living on purpose with purpose. And you know, I I mean, gosh, you look back at those those early creative projects that you do and I kind of look at it like my my little baby, right? I'm like, that was the first one. Of course, I would do a thousand things differently. Of course, I would preach the message a thousand different ways now. But sometimes I think it's okay to go back and teach yourself some of the things that you were teaching back then. So what I thought I'd do today is help you guys be moment makers. But not current, Carlos. 2018, Carlos. and 2018, Carlos, um, I preached this message at Cherry Hills Community Church on my book, Moment Maker. And I think... Uh, I really think it's going to be impactful uh, for many of you. I actually know it is because the truths remain the same. How to create moments, receive moments, and rescue moments. So without further ado, let's uh, rewind back to 2018, Carlos, and help us focus on how our faith will go from weak to wild when we become moment makers. Here you guys go. Good morning, Cherry Hills. I'm so glad to be with you guys again. How many guys were here last time I was here on Father's Day? A few of you guys? All right, lots of you guys. So good. Um, well, I, I, I asked that you guys pronounce my name correctly then, and I'm going to ask that you pronounce it correctly now. It is not, as Brian tried to say, Carlos. It's Carlos. So, so listen, listen, I, I live in Nashville, Tennessee, but I was born in, the, in Pico Rivera, East LA. And so the closer I get to the West Coast as I travel and I speak, Closer I get, the better people can pronounce my name. I'm sure you could do a better job. Can you just give me a good morning, Carlos? Good morning, Carlos. That was okay. <laughs> um, I'm I'm really excited to, uh, uh, to to be here again. They invited me back. I was like, wow, that's good. Whenever someone invites you back, you can. I'm not going to give you the same sermon. It's almost going to be like 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 step two. You see. When when I showed up over Father's Day weekend, we talked about my book and the concept of killing the spider. How I many you guys remember that idea? Yeah, to kill the spider. And really simple. If you weren't here, it'll just take 30 seconds to explain. Um, a, a spider is an agreement we've made with a lie. Can we all have spiders in our lives. And they're agreements we make with lies. And those agreements we make with lies are what in turn causes us to have behaviors. And these behaviors are cobwebs. So my dad used to say, Carlitos, don't clean the cobwebs, kill the spider. And what we have a tendency to do is we, we, we clean the cobwebs, right? We, we try to fix our behaviors and we clean the cobwebs. But instead of doing that, let's find the root, the spider, which is the agreement you've made with the lie, and you kill that. And so after that happens, we step into freedom. We step into abundance. We step into fullness. But inevitably what I see happening when people find abundance is we get really comfortable in our abundance. We get really comfortable in our freedom. And suddenly we just kind of start hanging out. Like we just kind of start relaxing, just reclining in our Christian faith. And that's not what we're supposed to be doing. That the goal of becoming a Christian again is not to become a Christian, find freedom, and just wait for heaven. No, you can become a Christian and bring heaven. You have that authority. I mean, that, that authority that I'm talking about, we just sang in this song, the, the, the I've Seen You Move, Move the Mountains. Like that song, like, like when the drummer hits that bridge and starts going, doom, 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 doom. Everyone in here was like, oh, yeah. Like, like you all kind of rose up. Your chest kind of went out a little bit and you stood, stood on your tippy toes and you're like, oh, yeah, I've seen you move, you move the mountains. right? And we're like singing and we're going. Well, why, why is that such an epic part of that song? Because we want that to happen in our lives. But the truth is, the songwriter didn't just make that up. He, he didn't just like, oh, you know what? This would be a cool lyric to sing about moving mountains. No, when we look in the gospel, and I, I, have, I wasn't planning on teaching on this. I'm not necessarily going to teach on it, but I want us to see where that song came from. When Brandon started singing it last night, I was like, oh, this is an incredible, incredible scripture to set us up for some incredible moments in our lives if we really lean into this. Watch this. It says in Mark Chapter 11. Jesus is hanging out with his disciples. Verse 22. Jesus replied to them, have faith in God. I assure you, if anyone says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Scripture says that is feasible. That is possible. That your, your massive Mind-blowing, seemingly impossible prayers can happen. Then it goes on to say, Therefore, I tell you, all the things you pray and ask for. Believe that you have received them and you will have them. Friends, this right here is like a mountain-moving faith, mountain-moving belief, mountain-moving prayers. That's why we want it, that's why we sing that song like that. That's why it feels so good. Besides, like the chord progression kind of helps our emotions. You know, but the truth is that song is so powerful. And I'll tell you this. When, when Pastor Brian was up here talking about this year, this year, now I haven't talked to him about this, but I'm, I'm assuming that the reason why this year his faith has grown more than it has in 20 years of being a believer, I believe it's because he's praying moving mountain prayers. He's praying prayers that are like impossible, these impossible prayers. And so let's go there. Let's start creating moments like that in this church and this holiday season. This holiday season, I honestly believe that if you step into a moving mountain kind of prayer life, guys, you're going to see the impossible done. You're going to start seeing that stuff happening every single day. So speaking of moments, that's what I want to talk about today. These, these moments that we're missing because maybe we're not being intentional enough with our faith. Intentional. Again, I mean, I, I know, I know it's true. So many people say things like, Oh, life's just, life's just passing me by so fast. Life's just flying by. Well, the truth, I believe, life isn't flying by. We're flying by life. And, and, and I believe that we have an opportunity to, to slow down just a little bit and on purpose, create moments in the name of Jesus. And so we're gonna look at the gospels today, just a few quick stories about how it is Jesus created, received, and rescued moments on a daily basis. And I think that this holiday season, if you just take a few of these principles, you're gonna start seeing some revival Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. First type of moment I want to talk about that we can lean into this holiday season are created moments. Everyone say created moments. These are the moments that we are in charge of. These are the ones that we get to go out and create in the name of Jesus. Now, there's a scripture that I think shows exactly how it is we need to create moments for other people. Jesus did this every single day. He was very intentional with every single breath that he took. So when we look in Mark chapter five, there's a great story of a father and his father's name was Jairus. Now it says that Jairus had a 12 year old daughter and she was extremely ill. And how many parents in the room? Lots of you. You know that if your child is sick, you will do anything on planet earth to bring help, bring healing to them. So Jairus finds himself in this situation. Now I've got a 16 year old daughter, 15-year-old daughter, and a 12-year-old son. So you can pray for me after service. But the 12-year-old son, Jairus has a 12-year-old daughter. So when I read this, it's like so, it's just popping in color to me as I'm reading this story, because I can, I can relate to everything he's doing. So it says this, when Jesus had again, crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus, he came and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. This is how desperate Jairus was. And he pleaded, another word of desperation, earnestly with him. My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. Now this moment making Jesus that we follow, the next part of the story, the next part of the story shifts so much in Jairus's life. You see, the next part of the story is actually a whole other sermon. It says that while Jesus was following Jairus to his house to heal his daughter who was dying, the story goes that as he's going through the city streets, large crowds, large crowds started gathering around Jesus, pressing up against him. And there was a woman who was desperate for healing. She'd been sick for many years. She, I mean, I can only imagine she's fighting through the crowd. She reaches out just to touch his robe. And it says when this woman touched the hem of his robe... Scripture says Jesus felt power leave him. And so he stopped and he said, Who touched me? She said, it, it, it was me. And Jesus looked at her and said, Your faith has made you well. And she was healed just like that. Now, listen, that's an incredible story of faith, of healing. But as the father of a 12 year old son, who am I thinking about in the story right now? Jairus, exactly. Because Jairus had gone to get Jesus to heal his daughter. And I can only imagine that when Jesus stopped to heal this woman, Jairus wasn't like, oh, this is awesome. This is so cool. Yeah, Jesus, go ahead. heal her. I, I mean, again, I'm, 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 this doesn't say this in the scriptures, okay? I'm just, I'll make that clear. But I'm assuming as a father of a son or daughter who's dying, Jairus wasn't just going like, this is awesome. No, he was probably a hundred yards down the road. Like Jesus, come on. I asked you to come heal my daughter. The news gets worse for Jairus. Watch this. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter's dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Friends, How many of us have been begging Jesus to heal something in our life and we turn around and he's healing somebody else? How many times have we been so desperate, begging Jesus, come on, Jesus, please follow me to my issue. And we turn around and, oh, he's healed someone else's marriage. Oh, he's healed someone else's cancer. Oh, he's healed something else. And suddenly, this thing begins to feel real fluffy. And we have a crisis of faith. And in these moments, it's so important to see the words Jesus says next to Jairus because Jairus was devastated. I'm assuming anger was rising up inside him. How dare you heal somebody else? I asked you to heal my daughter and you missed it and she's dead. Watch what Jesus says overhearing what they said Jesus told them don't be afraid just what just believe that's like the most sunday school answer i've ever heard jesus give <laughs> just just believe just believe because i think when i read that I, ugh, you mean just just believe that it's going to be okay I believe that when Jesus says, just believe, he's talking about Mark chapter 11 belief. He's talking about moving mountains belief. He's talking about impossible beliefs. You see, again, have faith in God. I assure you, if anyone says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says will happen, it will be done for him. That's the kind of belief I think Jesus was talking about. And that's the kind of belief that I know for me, I have a hard time getting to. So the story goes on. Just believe he follows Jairus to his house. He shows up in that room. Jesus walks in front of that little girl who's dead. And he says, rise. And breath enters her lungs. (sighs) She goes from death to life. And she stands up. Go with me here. This is what I want us to get. What Jairus thought was going to be a rescue, Jesus turned into a resurrection. Let me say this again. What Jairus thought and was begging for a rescue, Jesus is like, I got something better. I don't want to just rescue, I want to resurrect. And how many times in our lives are we begging Jesus to rescue us out of our situations? And here's the thing, I believe we serve a rescuing Jesus. We're gonna talk about how Jesus rescues as well in just a minute, but I don't think Jesus just wants to rescue you. I think Jesus doesn't just want to come in and just rescue out of your situation. No, he wants you to be resurrected from death to life. But in order for resurrection to happen, you know what has to happen first? You got to die. You got to die. There's got to be death that happens in us before we can be resurrected. And sometimes, I'm just telling you, these times we've been praying and begging for God. He's waiting for death to happen. Some of our dreams to die. Some of the things that we're holding so true so that he can resurrect things in ways we never imagined. Friends, I promise you, resurrection is near. And when you look at the story of Jairus, and then when we compare and contrast that into Mark and what he says to his disciples about moving mountains, friends, I promise you, that is available to every single one of us. And it doesn't feel good. And pain is real, but I promise you resurrection is near and it's tangible. And so we look at this and we think, okay, this is how Jesus creates moment. I mean how in the world are we supposed to pull this off? Like, I don't know about you, but like, I, I have yet to like raise somebody from the dead. Like, like that's, it's, it's not, not that it can't be in my wheelhouse, but I haven't pulled that off yet. So like, how can we do these things? How can we mimic Jesus and create moments like he did? Well, here's the thing. I think you got to start small. Got to start somewhere. I think that some of the smallest moments that we create can turn into some of the most massive moments in our lives. But we just have to start small. Don't, don't start aiming at these massive moments and craving these massive things. No, start small. Start in the little things. Now, a, a good example. I was uh, with my daughters. God, they, they were like 11, 10 and 11 years old. And so preteen world, and, and like I'm watching them grow up, and you know, it feels like they're growing up really fast. And we were sitting on the sofa, and this, this extra gum commercial came on TV. Now, are there any sappy... Commercial criers in here. When, when one comes on, go. You can you can resume. That's me. And so I'm cry- I'm like weeping during this commercial. And I'm gonna play this commercial for you guys. Not just to make all of you cry, which you will. <laughs> but I want you to see how small, tiny moments can lead to a massive moment in the long run. Watch this. <laughs> The little things last the longest. Give extra, get extra. <laughs> I mean, Brandon has cried every single service. Like, openly wept. I see a bunch of you tough Colorado man they were like, I'm not gonna cry. Oh my God. Friends, I found myself on the edge of my sofa looking at the TV. <laughs> And I got up, and I did the only thing I could think to do. I sprinted into the minivan, and I drove to Walgreens, and what did I buy? A pack of extra gum. And I took this extra gum home. And I, I got in the driveway, and I pulled my phone out, and I YouTube how to make an origami flamingo, or crane, or whatever that thing was. And I went inside, and I waited for one of my daughters to start crying, because at this point in their lives, it was like every 30 minutes about something. And it was Seana, my middle child. She starts crying, and I was like, "Baby, come here." I pulled out my extra gum, <laughs> and I made I made like the ugliest version of that that flamingo crane thing. And I was like, "Baby, every time you're sad, I want you to look at this crane, and know Daddy loves you." <laughs> she took it, and I, I, what I hope that she did with that was I hoped she went to the basement. And found a (laughs) shoebox. And I hope she took that thing and she stuck the flamingo crane thing in a shoebox. And and I hope she she did. I hope that every few months when she's sad again and I make her another one, she put it in the shoebox. And then one day, after many years, when I let her move out at 25 or 26 years old, and (laughs) I'm gonna be carrying these boxes to the car, like kicking every single box over, looking for the box of flamingo to spill all over the driveway. Now, why in the world would I do that? Let me tell you why. I wanted to feel what that man felt. I wanted to feel that feeling of every single moment mattered. I wanted to feel that in the moment, like, like when I first handed it to my daughter. But here's the truth. Like, the commercial was only 30 seconds. that, That was like a decade or longer. And I wanted to feel it because I wanted, I just wanted to know that my daughters, I want them to know that I love them and I want to know that they know that I love them. But let's turn it for a second. Go with me. What if instead of creating these moments with crane gum wrappers, we begin to purposely create moments wrapped in Jesus and hand them out to our community slowly, but surely, but with intention. Can I tell you what's going to happen? Just like that dad, we're going to hand out these moments with Jesus. And it may not be in a week. It may not be in a month. It may not be in a decade, but can I tell you what's going to happen? All of these moments that you're creating on purpose, all of these intercessory prayers that you're praying, you're 24 hours, of those things matter because one day, just like that box spilled all over that driveway, a box of Jesus is going to spill all over this community and revival will spread forward because we are making moments on purpose. But listen, friends, revival won't spread on accident. Has to be intentional and you have to create moments on purpose. I like to say it this way. We must mimic the master. Say, mimic the master. That's it. Open the gospel, copy and paste, put it in your life, mimic him. And you're going to start seeing these moments begin to lead to revival. Now, I don't know about you guys, but... I constantly think how blessed I am to have the people in my life that I need when I need them, right? Like, what if? Think about it. Think about it for a second. Think about somebody that actually has changed your life for the better. How incredible would it be if your company could find more of those life changing people right when you need them? <laughs> I got someone that can help. That is Indeed. Okay, listen. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. So stop spending hours and hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. Look, if you don't want to wait, all you've got to do Listen, this is incredible. All you have to do is actually sponsor a job. And the moment you do, you're going to get a list of quality candidates right then when it happens. That's called instant match. With instant match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description and you can invite them to apply right away. Indeed knows that when you're doing everything for your company, you cannot afford to overspend on hiring. Visit indeed.com slash human hope to start hiring now. Just go to indeed.com slash human hope. Indeed dot com slash human hope terms and conditions apply cost per application pricing, not available for everyone need to hire you need indeed. So those are created moments. The second kind of moment, especially this holiday season that we're all looking forward to are received moments, right? Like it's great when we can create moments for other people, but listen, I'll be honest. I want to receive moments from Holy spirit. I, I want to receive these moments. But in order to receive moments from God, we have to be in a posture of reception. I tell my kids all the time, you can't receive anything when your fists are close. You have to be in a posture of reception. So how do we do that to receive moments from Holy Spirit? Well, let's rewind from the gospels to the Old Testament. An incredible example of a received moment in Exodus chapter 14. Watch this. We've got the Israelites, Moses has just freedom and they're like booking it. They're taken off out of Egypt. They're like, whoa, we're finally free. We've been slaves forever. And then all of a sudden, they end up on a beach. And they're looking in front of them. And they start to freak out. Because they're like, "Uh, Moses, what are we supposed to do? And then they look behind them. And they see the army coming. And they have this freak out moment that I think gives us a great example on how to receive moments. Watch this. It says, when the Israelites saw the king and his army coming after them, they were frightened and they cried to the Lord for help. They said to Moses, what have you done to us? Why did you bring us out of Egypt to die in a desert? There are plenty of graves for us in Egypt. We told you in Egypt, let us alone. We'll stay and serve the Egyptians. Now we're going to die in the desert. Do you see their little freakout moment they're happening? Like they've been slaves for hundreds of years. They're finally free. And the second they're faced with the, drama in their life, what do they want to go and be again? Slaves. And we can look at them and go, I can't believe that. That's crazy. But if we pull up the spiritual mirror in our lives, I know for me, how many times have I been given freedom from an addiction or a behavior or something, and then the second I'm faced with a little bit of drama in my life, I want to go back and be a slave again. And the only reason I say that is because I want us to be able to relate to the Israelites here. And the received moment that came to them, I love Moses's answer. This is how they received it. Watch this. But Moses answered, don't be afraid. Stand what? That was 45 seconds. And half of you guys were freaking out. (laughs) He's so quiet. When's he going to say something? Did he forget his next line? I feel so bad for him. So quiet. Friends, we've forgotten how to be still. And I honestly believe The only way, not the only way, maybe the fastest way to receive a moment from the Holy Spirit is to stand still. Because we've forgotten how to do that. We get to a red light, 30 seconds. And immediately we look at our phone. Like, I wonder if anyone's like send me anything or double tap their screen to tell me they love me on Instagram or maybe I can take a picture of the light and put it on Instagram. (laughs) we We don't know how to do it anymore. And listen, it's not your fault. Our culture, everything's hustle, grind, hustle, hustle, hustle. I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't see hustle as a spiritual gift in the Bible. We have to learn to stand still. We have to learn to slow down. Up until 150 years ago, now listen, I'm no sociologist. This is just a guess. But I mean, the average pace of a human being was like three miles an hour, unless you're on a horse or being chased by a lion, right? Like three, three miles an hour. This is it. This is how fast life moved. And then the, the amount of information that we consume now, it's, it's said that, The amount of information we consume in one day now is the same amount that our 15th century ancestors consumed in a lifetime, in a day. And we wonder why we can't hear, why we're not receiving these moments. You've got to stand still. You've got to learn to stand still in every moment, not just in church, but in all the moments of our lives. When my daughters were, all these stories about my daughters today. I apologize. So Hala, are you here? Yeah, I've got my 16-year-old daughter. She's right. Everyone wave at So let's Say hi. Here she is. I dragged her to Colorado with me. Now she doesn't want to go home. She's like, it's so beautiful here, daddy. Look at the snow. I was like, I don't think these people love the snow as much as you love the snow. But when she was 11 and her sister was 10 or 12 and 11, however, they, they saved all their money to go see Justin Bieber in Memphis, Tennessee. Like they were so. I mean, they were all about the Biebs, right? And so, so I was like, "Oh, this is cool." So, so they had a countdown calendar on the on the wall in their in their in their bedroom, counting down. The, they would mark down the days and the weeks until they go see the Biebs. Now, I just grew up with brothers, so like my daughters, every season has been like an experiment on womanhood for me. Like I don't, it's all new. It's all every every. So this is new. I, I wasn't raised with sisters, so they're really emotional and really excited. So. We get in the car and I drive them to the FedEx Forum in Memphis, Tennessee. We take two hours to drive from Nashville. We get there. I walk into the FedEx Forum. There's 13,000 screaming teenage girls in there. Ah! And so we, we sit down and now there's a countdown clock on the wall, counting down the minutes before the beebs explodes from the stage. And so for every minute it goes down, the screams get louder and louder. And about 30 seconds before the peeps exploded from the stage, my wife leaned over to take a picture of Sohela and myself. And this is a picture that she took. <laughs> now, let's compare and contrast the faces. She's in utter worship, and I am so confused. <laughs> and the whole concert, she's crying, and all I'm thinking to myself is, what have I done wrong? <laughs> how have I failed her as a father? So we get in the car and I'm thinking, I need to fix her. I can fix her. I got two hours, I can fix her. So we're driving and I'm like, hey, so halo baby. How come, how come you were crying in there? And she says, Daddy, I just love him so much. <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> Did you say you loved him? And do you know what I almost launched into? I was this close. You don't love him. You don't even know the first thing about love. You don't even know that floppy hair, boy. You don't love him. Let me tell you about love. <laughs> but I felt like the Lord said stand still, shut up. <laughs> And in that moment, I felt the Holy Spirit press upon my heart, just like that, in the silence. Those tears that are streaming down her face, can we put that picture up one more time if you don't mind? (laughs) Those tears streaming down her face are the same tears that are streaming down my face because I love her so much. So Father, instead of telling your daughter, why her love is wrong. Why don't you tell her why my love is right? And friends, in a heartbeat, the conversation shifted. And I was actually able to talk about the love of God, not of Bieber, of God. And do you see what happens when we stand still? Do you see what happens when we stop rolling up our sleeves and trying to fix our way out of whatever problem we're in? No, no. The Holy Spirit was sent here to minister to us and to speak to us. That means we are able to hear. When we lower the volume of life, volume of God goes up. We must stand still. Say, stand still. Stand still. Those are received moments. We've got creative moments, received moments. Now let's talk about the rescued one, the rescued moments. You see, you either have been rescued by the blood of the cross and the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ or you have yet to be rescued by the blood of the cross and the power of the resurrection. Once you have been rescued, you now become the hands and feet of Jesus. You now become the ones that he sends out to rescue on his behalf. So if that's the truth, we got to look and see how Jesus rescues. So with the last sort of moment, we'll talk about rescue moments. Matthew 14, perfect example of a rescue moment. You got Jesus and his disciples, right? Now, listen, If you've read the Gospels long enough, you understand that Jesus' disciples aren't like little perfect versions of Jesus. They weren't like little Jesus' just walking around like just like him. No. His disciples were his best friends, and they were a bunch of knuckleheads. I mean, they were a mess. The number one thing Jesus said to his disciples more than anything else, more than anything else, you can look it up, was, oh, ye of little faith. He didn't say to them, oh, you guys are incredible. Oh, ye of massive faith. No. He kept having to remind them, guys, I'm Jesus, over and over again. And watch what happens here. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. And they cried out. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It's I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you. Here's like, 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 there's always a Peter in the bunch, right? And Peter's always getting in trouble. Peter said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Prove it. That's what he said. Now we can judge Peter reading that, but how many times has Jesus showed up and we're like, ah, uh, prove it. So we can relate. And I love Jesus's response to Peter. When Peter challenged Jesus, Jesus did not preach him a sermon. He didn't send him a podcast or buying a book. Didn't send him the latest Hillsong CD. He said one word. What was the word? Come. Simple invitation, come. And Peter, a human like you and me, got out the boat and he walked on water and he came towards Jesus. He was walking on water. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, Lord, save me. Immediately, here's the rescue. Jesus reached out his hand and he caught him. Here it is. Oh, ye of little faith, why did you doubt? The rescue happened in two steps, ready? When Peter doubted Jesus, Jesus opened his heart. He opened his heart to the moment. Then step two, when Peter started to sink, he opened his what? Hand. So when we're rescuing the name of Jesus, we open our hearts and we open our hands. We open our hearts and we open our hand. And the thing about modern day Christianity that I find is most Christians are very willing to open their hearts. We're very willing to be convicted about things. But that's not going to rescue anything. Just being convicted, there must be action that follows conviction every single time. If we're going to rescue in the name of Jesus, we got to get uncomfortable and have action following conviction. Conviction's easy; action's more difficult. So when we begin, when I began to start practicing this "open your heart, open your hand" thing, the Lord gave me plenty of opportunities. I I, the the one that I love to talk about is this one. I was I happened to be flying on Southwest Airlines. Anyone in here ever flown Southwest Airlines? Does anyone work for Southwest Airlines before I tell the story? <laughs> okay, so, so I'm not like a massive fan of Southwest Airlines, only because I fly 150,000 miles a year. Like, I like to know the seat I'm going to sit in before I get to the airport. I don't want to have to ask somebody if I can sit next to them. And Southwest Airlines, they kind of her- herd you like cattle, and you, you board the plane, and like, it's, like, it's like an extrovert's dream airline. You're like, hey, this is a party. You're like, whoa, can I sit next to you? What do you do? But if you're an introvert, it's your nightmare of an airline. Because I'm an introvert. And I, 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 I put my headphones on. I just want to get to my seat. And if, if, when I boarded this, this flight, not only was it a, an introvert's nightmare, but I was the last person to board the flight. Oh, you know, if you're the last person to board a Southwest Airlines flight, I mean, talk about an introvert's nightmare. Like, you now, nobody with an empty seat next to them even remotely wants you to pick that seat so as I happen to walk on everybody with an empty seat starts going <coughs> 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 like they're coughing and I'm like oh god this is horrible and I'm like walking in like please somebody make eye contact with me all the eyes are going <coughs> all over the plane and so towards the back of the plane this older gentleman he was probably around 80 80 years old he accidentally like locks eyes with me and I was like so I go running up to him and I was like, I mean, I was as sprightly as I could be. I was like, hi, sir. Could I sit in the seat next to you? Looked just like this. And this man crossed his arms, shook like this and goes, Mm-mm. no, no, sir. Like we're about to take off. And I just, I really want a seat. Could I, be, could I please sit next to you? He says, no, again, I literally climbed over this man and I sat next to him. Rudest man, rudest, rude, rudest man. And I sit next to him. I was like, I'm, I'm going I'm to make him like me. Lord, you've chosen him for me. Like I'm going to, this is ministry. So I pulled out my phone. And I was like, hey, look at my kids. Like you, here's my kids. Like, what do you do? Do you still work? Are you retired? Like, do you live in LA? LA to Atlanta. I think it was LA to Atlanta. It was a four hour flight next to this man. 20 minutes. I tried and I failed. And finally I just gave up. I was like, God, I tried. Gave it my best shot. So I'm sitting next to this man for four hours. We're 20 minutes from landing in Atlanta. The plane starts to bounce a little bit more than I'm used to. And the turbulence was so bad that the pilot got in the intercom and said, ladies and gentlemen, the winds are blowing 40 miles an hour in Atlanta. In order to safely land, we have to say, they have to stay below 40. So we're going to give it a shot. <laughs> that is what that man said. I know he was probably trying to be funny. That wasn't funny. So I'm even a little stressed out, but I looked over for the first time in four hours at rudest man in America. And he is gripping the seat in front of him. He is shaking. His shirt, I realized, is drenched, soaking wet. There's actual tears coming from his eyes. And I realized in that moment that he was not rude. What was he? He was terrified. He was scared. And it was all the man could do to breathe. And I'm like, what's your life story? So I felt horrible. I was like, I've been judging him the whole time. I'm going to rescue the moment. Rescue rescue the moment. I know how to do this. I'm going to pray for him. So I prayed for him. It was the most beautiful prayer. I I prayed hedges of protection to show up around him. I sprinkled some traveling mercies on top of him. (laughs) It was was incredible. And I I was like, amen. God, look at me. I'm an awesome Christian. I prayed for him. And I felt like God was like, uh. <laughs> but God, like, why the slow clap? Like, I prayed for him. Like, isn't that what I'm supposed to do? Yeah, 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 yes, yes. You're halfway there. You opened your heart. Now open your what? And I knew what I needed to do. And I didn't want to do it. I took five breaths, just like this. I looked right out the window and I placed my hand on my thigh, just like this. I was like, dear God, don't let him hold my hand. It didn't take one second. Five cold, wet, stiff fingers. Gripped mine. And now I'm having a romantic moment at 30,000 feet with this strange man. I literally was like, oh, 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 he's holding my hand. God, he's holding, now what? Now what? Silence, right? Radio silence from God. This man held my hand for 20 minutes the whole way down. I'm still looking out the window the whole time. We land, we taxi to the gate. He's still holding my hand. We get to the gate. He's still holding my hand, and I'm thinking, I should make eye contact because we've been holding hands for 20 minutes, make the relationship like (laughs) official or whatever. And so I turn to look at this man's eyes. This man lets go of my hand, stands up, walks off that plane, and he never says one word to me. He used me. (laughs) But the second I felt, Second, I felt that rise up inside of me. Oh, he used me. I felt like the Lord said, he didn't use you. He used you. You see, friends, here's the thing. If you want to rescue in the name of Jesus, the rescue is never about you. But our carnal nature wants to be recognized. But it's not The rescue is always about Jesus, always about Jesus. You don't get any credit. You don't steal the glory from God. And if you want to start having these moments in your life, this is the way to do it. Ready? You must risk in order to rescue. You you must risk. If you think you've rescued and there hasn't been any risk involved, I promise you, it's probably not a rescue. And if you look in your life and there's not a lot of risk involved, there's probably not a lot of rescue happening. But if you want to risk, you're going to have to get uncomfortable. You're going to have to have conversations. You're going to have to let your office mates know that you believe in the blood of the cross and the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You can't brush that stuff to the side. You have to be ready to be ridiculed, to look a fool, to hold strange people's hands on airplane, whatever it may be. But you must risk in order to rescue. And when that happens, oh, friends, that's when you be the hands and feet of Jesus. Open your heart, open your hand. Created moments, mimic the master. Receive moments stand still rescue moments you've got to risk in order to rescue and then sometimes and we'll end with this the lord likes to take these moments and he will he will he will blow you away with the moments that are available if you start becoming moment makers my the career i, I was known for before i became an author and a speaker i was a worship artist with integrity music and i was shooting my very first music video in 2010 in downtown Atlanta. And I remember it was really cold and we had a whole film crew and I was shooting this music video for a song called God of Second Chances and I'm singing. And all of a sudden I noticed these homeless guys started walking around and we were in a park in downtown. And I remember thinking to myself, having that internal battle like, oh man, I don't have any food. I don't have any money. So I'm just gonna ignore the homeless people and shoot my Christian music video. How crazy is that, right? And these are the conversations we have in our heads. And, and I remember God going, no, 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 no. You just need to look at that, that one guy right there with the shopping cart. Just look at him. Show him he's a man. I was like, God, but I don't have any money. I don't have any food. Just look at him. So I did. In the middle of my song, I'm singing. And I look at the guy and he looks at, we lock eyes and I just go like that. And this man drops his shopping cart and he starts walking straight onto the music video. And the film still, camera's still rolling. And I'm like, God, see? See? <laughs> See, I, t- I told you, I don't have any money. I don't have any food. Now I'm going to look like an idiot. This guy's going to come walking out. He's going to ask me for I don't have anything. And this man comes walking up to me and he goes, you singing gospel, man. I go, yeah. He goes, oh, please keep singing gospel. Can I sing with you? I said, yeah. And we kept the camera rolling. And let me show you a moment that changed my life forever. Watch this. Uh, we were shooting, you know, different B-roll footage and some stuff for this uh, EPK, and and this guy, Danny, comes walking up. It's, it's like 37 degrees outside. My fingers are freezing cold. Well, Danny proceeds to walk himself right next to me. and He's like, "Keep singing your song." Okay, you sing a song, all uh-huh. right? Yeah. Down. Okay. And then I, I call you. Okay. Any song? Any song. So when I get to where the chorus is over, Brother Danny starts singing in his Jamaican kind of vibe. Definitely that Rastafarian feel. Danny was kind of an eye-opening experience for me seeing that this guy that he knew that I'm not homeless. He comes walking up to share a moment with me and that we're two we're two beings, we're two human beings in completely different areas of life. And um, So anyway, Danny, I appreciate you for what you taught me today. One of the last things I said to Danny before I let him go, I looked at Danny in the eyes and I was like, Danny, keep trying to make it. And he looked at me and he was like, trying to make it? No, 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 it's not about trying to make it. I'm making it. How many? Of these moments, are we walking right by? We're so busy doing the work of the Lord that we're missing. That changed my life. Who, who was the one that got rescued that day? Me. I mean, I remember, I said it on there, I remember looking at Danny, trying to be like, keep trying to make it. Ha, 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 exactly. And him looking at me like, ha, <laughs> excuse me, trying to make it. No, no, no. And he didn't say this, but I heard him say, Mr. Minivan and white picket fence, you, you keep trying to make it. Because all I have is my shopping cart and the throne of grace. I am 100% dependent on Jesus Christ. You, on the other hand, got your 401k, you got your social media, you got your platform, you got all of these things keeping you from the throne of grace. And the received moment I got there is I've I've got to remove some stuff. To get back to being desperate for Jesus, not to romanticize poverty. It's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is Holy Spirit has so many moments all day long that are going to blow your minds. If you just slow down, you mimic the master and you take some risks. Let's pray. Jesus, you brought us into this room, all of us collectively for one reason. And that one reason is, is literally to give glory to you in everything we do. And so may we step out of this church today, into this Christmas season, ready Jesus to risk everything in order to see other brothers and sisters come to a saving knowledge of who you are. I'm so grateful for this church and its family, for it is by the blood of the cross in the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that every believer in this room shouted, amen. 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 There it is. How to be a moment maker. Just living on purpose and with purpose. Thank you, 2018 Carlos Whitaker. Um, That may have been before I was calling myself. Got a little something with you this month. Thank you. Uh, And thank you guys for listening. Um, And also thank you for pre-ordering the new book. You guys have been supporting me since 2014 with my first book, Moment Maker. And it's now eight years later and my next book is coming out. Oh, in the ninth year of me being an author, How to Human. You guys can pick that up at how2humanbook.com. I'd really appreciate it. And I just thank you guys for the support on the podcast. Please make sure that you check out also our partners on the show. It really helps the show succeed as well. I love you guys. I'll be back next week with somebody that you have been asking for to come back for a long time. Make sure you don't miss it. Next week, same time, same place. This is Carlos Whitaker saying I'll see you next week on another episode of Human Hope.